What's up, everybody? It's Mike and Mark from LRMOnline.com, bringing you another episode of LRM TV Podcast. This week, we're going to be covering Gotham, Supergirl, Flash, Arrow, and talk a little bit briefly about what our top five shows we're watching right now. Um, both Mark and I will be kind of be discussing that and then give our thoughts on the best shows out there for you guys to be watching. Um, overall, in the TV realm, it was... Uh, it was a kind of slow week with news, but a lot of big, you know, uh, TV shows either premiered or got rolling with their second or third episode. So, um, just coming down the list, we're uh, going to start off with Gotham. And Mark, you cover Gotham uh, for LRM, so give us your thoughts. Of what did you think about this episode, the second episode with Jarvis Tetch? Well, you know, we had the second episode here, and we got a, I thought, a, a really good um, <clears throat> display of the you know the mad hatter that that we know more of from either the comics or the animated series um a really dark take on him which i liked uh i thought that this episode did a good job of dropping little easter eggs here and there um you know whether it was the use of you know tweedledee and tweedledum right um, yep which is reflective of the comics as well but then uh also when barbara was talking and she had said that he was probably something along the lines of that he was probably off uh, with a top hat drinking tea or something along those lines. Right. Um, you know, I thought that was pretty interesting in that uh, this episode. Um, you know, but you had uh, Jervis go- going after trying to uh, find Alice again, um, and we got a little bit more of the backstory between that. I'm not sure if you remember me talking last week. But I had said I wasn't sure, like, of the dynamics of the relationship between Jervis and his sister Alice. And something just seemed weird to me. And this week, I I don't know if you took it the same way I did, but when she was talking and um, being interrogated um, by Gordon and Bullock, or I'm sorry, by Bullock, um, she had even said that he put things in her mind that no brother should or something along mm-hmm. those lines. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, I remember that in the and interrogation. I, and I wasn't sure exactly what she meant by that, but I figured that if she was obviously trying to kill him, that it was probably something pretty bad. Um, so, yeah, and, you know, those, those odd dynamics just continued to play throughout the entire episode leading up to the end, which we'll get to. Um, here after a bit but i was really intrigued by that storyline um the penguin running for mayor plot is like i said it's um it's okay uh like i said i think it's kind of been and it's kind of been done before but i do like to see the dynamics between butch and nigma and just nigma is once again just always steps ahead but in a different way than Penguin is. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh, no, I definitely agree with you. I think the the, the new dynamic with how Nigma and Penguin are working together and how, like you said, Nigma is in a – he seems like he's ahead of Cobblepot but always in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's to, – that to me is going to – it looks like it's going to slowly build up and be kind of the, the, the main focal point, probably mid-season, I would say. Mm-hmm of you know of gotham and stuff and um and then yeah butch's animosity towards nigma you know it's kind of taken his place that where he thinks he rightfully should be um as penguin's right hand man as the chief of staff 
Well, and it's it's you know interesting at first because Nigma seems to you, know, you don't really know why he's doing this for fame because obviously he's, he took the money back that Butch was using to bribe them. Yep. Uh, to bribe the officials. Um, for the election, and you know, Penguin still wins by a landslide. And it, I mean, it seems like Nigma was honestly sincere and like does actually believe in in uh, Penguin, you know? Yeah, I mean, it seems like that time that they were together last season out in the, the woods and stuff when Penguin was recovering from um, his injuries and Nigma was trying to figure out how to deal with, you know all the murders he, he committed and stuff, it seems like from that point, it's kind of they formed a like a brotherly bond, a weird mm-hmm. brotherly bond, but right. a, a brotherly bond. And it's slowly but surely, I think that that bond is growing and growing and they become stronger and stronger. And kind of, if you, it makes sense though, that by the time Bruce becomes Batman, these two will be kind of at their peak and their, their height yeah. of what it is. So, um, it's it's going to be interesting to see um and you know both have had histories with gordon you know those characters um and so how that dynamic's going to play out how you know having enigma being the chief of staff and then we see the previews uh for next week episode how he's going to be you know going to gotham pd where yeah. he used to work and that was awesome. convicted killer and stuff like that <laughs> and that is going to be it like this show has really turned into that like almost like American horror story type, you know, psychotic thriller based. It, it's gone away right. from the, the detective story. And now it's just like, let's see how much we can really push because the Jarvis touch, uh, like situation with Alice, like brother, but loving too much type brother. Right, that was just yeah. creepy. And like the, 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 right. the way that they played it out and even the way she died, like oh, I don't yeah. think anybody died like that in previous seasons. So they're really like, amping it up you know well and the music that like went with it and for how long like they had the still shot of her body right yeah and and even the just you know the psychological level and i think that's why i like it is because just the psychological levels they go through with a lot of these characters um you know you saw more of that from uh barbara keen again yep. even when you know she says well you're acting like we're married or something like you know and those little comments like she, that but then yeah. even even when um Alice dies, you, you know, Tesh is blaming it on everybody else, but it is clearly his fault. Exactly. You know, and it's just that disillusionment that he had, that he's always had with his relationship with her that really, I think, kind of carries that character. And, and you see that even in, in the comics or the animated series with Jervis Tesh. He's extremely intelligent. But there's this disillusionment with the character, and I thought that was picked on um, very well. Right, and like, but you, you kind of hit on it. Like Barbara Keen has become, I think, my favorite character on the show because oh, yeah. she she's psychotic, and everyone knows it. But the way that she like handles herself in front of Gordon and stuff, it's just like it's that kind of that that balance. So she's walking on that tightrope where she falls off and picks herself up, and it's like. It's like really interesting how this show is starting to go now where it's more that psychological mental thriller than anything else. And it's really more about the the fragile mental state that these characters are in and what basically snaps them. You know, and it's not even like it's odd because her character is entertaining. She's not comic relief Uh -uh. by any means, but she's extremely entertaining, you know. And then, um, 
even you know we got a little bit more with Gordon in this one with, with that psychological aspect. You know, you have um, uh, Alice was telling him and Lee actually that well, you know, he he prays that Tetch prays um, on on fear and regret and remorse and all these other things, which and anger, which obviously Gordon has a ton of. So, you know, it, it's turned much more, like you said, kind of into this psychological uh, series more so than detective series. Right, exactly. And it, it kind of would set up really nice if they brought back um, Scarecrow. Because remember he was on... Oh, yeah. Season, was it season one he was on? I think so. Yeah, yeah as a young it was mainly boy. His, yeah, because it was his dad. And then, yeah, he was like out in the woods or something. Woods or outside almost. of the house. Yeah, yeah, and this would kind of... I think this would be a great timing of the show the way that the the approach is to bring him back in um in that psychological thriller and kind of using mm-hmm. fear to really you know gain his um his momentum type deal so mm-hmm. but overall i mean yeah the the jarvis touch the um uh the Oswald Cobblepot, the uh, Enigma storylines were great. The one storyline that didn't really make sense to me till the very, very end was the Bruce Doppelganger. Yeah, um, I didn't see where that was going until literally the very end when we it, it is revealed that the Court of Owls were behind uh, cloning Bruce Wayne and yeah. using the clone to more or less, um, I guess, take over for. Wayne Enterprises, or like you get rid right. of Bruce, and, but but yeah, it was just that that the middle parts of that show where you had the doppelganger with Selena. I mean, the only thing I really liked out of that was I felt like you started to see more of Selena's kind of anti-hero character. Like she went in to steal stuff. She was very kind of elusive and this mm-hmm. and that, and the way that she she did it. Um, but even though she got caught later, but that was the only part I liked about that. The doppelganger part, I just, I don't know. I haven't really been able to buy into it as much. I figured that the court of owls would be behind it. Um, I know a lot of people feel like this is going to be Tommy Elliott. I'm, I'm still not really sure about that. Um, you know, I think if anything, the the court of owls want to use, you know, the doppelganger to like somehow frame, brute or something like that yeah. i don't really know but yeah that's one that I, I mean i'm interested in the court of owls but that the doppelganger aspect i'm not i don't know not not necessarily as bought in with that yeah it, right n- not the very end but the part where the doppelganger basically says goodbye to bruce and he jumps off the ledge jumps on the roof, yeah. and first i thought he committed suicide so did i yeah i was like yeah. well that's one way to end it um, right. Then the second one, when he, when we see that he's just walking away, I was like, okay, there's the hush storyline right there. He's gonna, he's gonna take over the name as Tommy Elliot, and you know, and then come back later. Um, but then when the Court of Owls picks him up, it's like, well, now what? Are they gonna use him to gain access to Wayne Enterprise? Is there using right. his fingerprints, thumbprints? Are they gonna, like you said, frame him? You know, have him. Um, kill somebody or and have all the I DNA think, evidence there and stuff. So it'll be interesting to see. See, that's a yeah, that's an interesting one. Is if he killed someone or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. But I think for me, the reason why I don't buy the Tommy Elliot part yet, and I could be wrong, obviously, but 
is because Tommy Elliott was in season one. Right. Um, and I don't know if they would just, I don't know, act as if that, that character never was there or, you know what I mean? That that's the only thing that really holds me back with it is, you know, would they act as if that character was never around? Right. You know, if Tommy Elliott was never introduced, even though it was briefly in season one, I think I may buy into it a little bit more, but I think, yeah, that's the only kind of, that's the only kind of downfall from me right now. Um, what do you think about uh, Commissioner Barnes at the end? Oh, how he got like the blood drip on him and stuff. Yeah, it, it reminded me so much. Of, um, did you ever see the movie? Uh, what was it? Twenty eight days later. Oh yeah. Yeah, where yeah. you remember you get the drop of blood on you and then you turn into a zombie and stuff. It was like, oh okay. Yeah. I was like, now here's here's the end of this character right here. Right. Um, so, you know, it's gonna be interesting to see because it was just that small drop of blood. So it's gonna kind of. Like it's you're gonna see, I think a role reversal with Gordon and him, and you know where Gordon was the one basically losing it because he was under right. Touch's, you know, um, uh, hypnotism and stuff. So now it's kind of I think it's gonna take that role. And I'm I'm curious about it too because Touch kept taking Alice's blood. Mm-hmm. Remember, and I I just we don't know what for yet, so that could be interesting. Oh, the one other thing I wanted to touch on with him before we really move on is um, for as much as Tetch like, loves his sister and this and that, you still really saw the type of character that he actually is is because when Gordon and them came in with guns, he hid behind Alice. Oh, yeah, that is right. So, so you know, it's, like, so important that he finds her. She means everything. But at the end of the day, like, he cares about himself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I mean, Which that I is cool. Yeah, it was straight from the comic books, you know, animated right. series and stuff like that. Because he's not a fighter, you know. Um, no, no. You know, Mad Hatter's never been a, uh, a one to go toe to toe with anybody, or even crazy enough to do that. So yeah, that's a good point. I didn't even think about that. How hiding behind Alice was, you know, the just just another nod to that character. So. Yep. But mm-hmm. you know, so overall, um, good episode. Um, the it's good i'm definitely looking forward to the the cobblepot enigma storyline more than anything else but it was kind of interesting that like there was a couple characters that didn't even have play any part in it at all valerie vale wasn't in it um, oh yeah and neither was uh um ivy she wasn't in it as well yep so we've got that or tabitha can't leave out tabitha oh yeah tabitha yeah she's not as huge of a character but still so for you know, I, I I know with TV it's time constraint and everything like that, but it, in the Poison Ivy scheme of it, we were introduced to her, yeah, and got that I mean, one little glimpse and then gone, and it doesn't look well, like we're gonna a, see. I felt like there was a lot of hype around that too. Yeah, you know what I mean. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, all I mean, of a sudden, all the the still photos that were leaked out yeah. and stuff. You know, the the that was promoted as the big change of Gotham is that right. we're gonna make it more adult based and kid based, and so you know. That was it. Um, next show to talk about Supergirl. I know you didn't get a chance to watch this one. I did. Um, it, it was because it's on at the same exact time as Gotham, which is I still don't understand how Fox and CW don't work things out because right. it, it was even that same problem when Supergirl was on CBS. They came on at the same exact time. So uh, I was the type of person who started out strong on Supergirl last season and then kind of faded away and then got kind of back into it um so what really excited me about this episode was the actual 
I don't know how you'd say it, reintroduction or introduction of Superman into the Supergirl universe because he was in season one, but we never got to saw it's like see his face. But this go around, we got to see him. You know, Tyler Hecklin um, plays Superman, and it was to me it was just so like a lot of fun to watch because Tyler Hecklin nailed it as Clark Kent in Superman. Um, reminded me a lot of the the Dean Cain Superman from Lois and Clark TV series. Um, the way he played Clark as the goofy, you know, nerd type guy, you know, couldn't really you know hold a conversation with anybody. It, it really was a complete 180 from the um, movie Superman that we're used to with Henry Cavill. Um, and so it's kind of brought me back to my childhood. I mean, I just, I love. Um, Henry Cavill's Superman. I'm one of the few people that like think that it's a different tone, but I like the tone of it. Um, but at the same time, this one was like it hit right at my childhood. Like I was like, wow, it's like watching Dean Cain or watching the old uh, Christopher Reeves movies um, over again. So the storyline of it, you know, it, it's pretty basic vanilla stuff. Um, and I think that's how Supergirl's going to basically play it safe for quite some time. It's used the. Uh, the hype of having Superman on the show and some of these other characters that are going to be de debuting later on in the season um, and not really um, gamble too much with villains or with, you know, dramatic storylines cases. Um, the the big news this week from this storyline is that um, the Jimmy Olsen, I forgot his name, um, the, but uh, the actor who plays Jimmy Olsen, but he will end up turning into uh, or playing as the Guardian on the show. Mm. So that, that's so now you have Superman, Martian Manhunter, you'll have Miss Martian and the Guardian. And I believe there's one other one that I'm, I'm forgetting about that's either been on the show or going to debut on the show. So it seems like Supergirl in already two, not even two seasons, just one season and uh, one full season and one episode and second season, you know, is going to have a plenty of um guest cast or guest superheroes to join in on so it would be great i mean one day down the road if all the four shows of god or supergirl um flash arrow and legends of tomorrow could do one massive like tv movie type deal that would be uh just such entertaining for me so that'd be cool do you think um you know like i said i haven't gotten a chance to catch up with this season but do you think that they do a good job balancing the characters because i know for me like you know, I've always really enjoyed Smallville growing up, but I felt like once they started to introduce a lot of the actual characters, you know, it works in some ways and it and it really depends on the tone and whatnot. But I thought that's kind of almost what led to the downward spiral of Smallville. Yeah, because they brought in some of the characters. It was really like um, after season five of Smallville that like you could see the fan base start to deteriorate. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, does Supergirl do a good job of, like, balancing? Yeah, I think uh, for the most part. Um, you know, Martian Manhunter is basically a, a stable castmate on this show now. So uh -huh. the show does a good job of focusing mainly on Supergirl. And and they don't they don't really deviate from, Ka like, Kara. Even though it's Superman on the show, it's it's still the show is Supergirl. It's still focused yep. on, on Kara, and she kind of... It, it, it was a good balance between Superman and Supergirl, but in even when last season with the, um, you know, with the introduction of new characters and, you know, Jimmy Olsen or when they would have the, the Superman appearance and stuff like that, they still made it about Kara and, you know, Supergirl. So, um, 
as long as they keep that going, they're going to keep the that fan base that they have of the um, eight to eighteen year old girls that watch the show. It's mm-hmm. now can we get enough guys to watch the show to keep this on for you know a healthy amount of time? Because Smallville what attracted people from uh, boys and girls was that it was Superman, you know, so right. that was easy. But to get guys into Supergirl, you're going to have to bring in Superman. You're going to have to bring in Martian Manhunter, yeah. uh, the mm-hmm. Guardian, you know, unfortunately. But not every guy is going to want to sit down and see the love story of, you know, of Supergirl in, you know, Jimmy Olsen, I guess. And right. Stuff, so. um, but, yeah, I think overall it was, a, uh, I mean, for a second season premiere, you know, it was definitely, it packed a lot of punches. You know, the, the villain was so-so, but... Um, to see the TV version of Superman come back to life once again, it was definitely great. And who knows, it might actually l- lead Tyler into his own show as Superman. Sure. You know? mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right. So that's my piece on that. And now to the meat and potatoes, because this is the one that both you and I agree had the the biggest controversy and stuff was um flash and arrow we'll kind of just combine them together so we'll talk about flash and then we'll go into arrow and then the big controversy that both you and i agree on so flash um second episode paradox episode we see the repercussions from flashpoint we finally realize that the timeline barry left is never going to get back to yep to to be that same timeline that he's created so many ripples in the timeline that basically he's just going to have to, to live with it. Um, and you know, we had the return of John Wesley's ship as, you know, Jake Garrick, you know, yeah, for that, was a little, that was cool. I, I really enjoyed that. And I hope that they keep bringing him back as that mentor to Barry. Cause well, what I also liked with that too, is they, they gave the little nod because it was 1998, right? You know, and John Wesley's ship went in one of his, um, they interviewed him, and he. They said his his character is somewhat of a nod to his the role that he had in the nineteen nineties. A flash. I mean, it's obviously not the same character, but some of what they're doing, like just it being in nineteen ninety eight, is kind of like a little nod towards that. Right. Yeah, I, re- I remember reading an article where he actually went back and watched the old show just to kind of get himself in that mindset again of like that even though he wasn't playing Barry Allen, it was Jay Garrick, but he wanted to kind of portray that version of, of the flash and stuff. So that was definitely cool. Um, we also got to see, um, the kind of effects that it had on Barry's team that we finally understand why Iris and Joe were fighting. And it all stemmed back to, um, because Joe didn't tell Iris that, her mother was still alive and that kind of bothered me because so when that event happened last season it was a good solid like two three months prior to the end of the you know the zoom conflict right so that would have meant if you went with that controversy that iris and joe really didn't talk to each other or weren't part of each other's lives for like three months and so that like that it didn't make sense it didn't really feel like it fit right with all the things that Barry's changed in the timeline, why would that be the biggest controversy? Um, right. You know, but I guess what they're trying to do is change the dynamic of the family because it was Wally who was kind of the one who was the anti-family yeah. and now Iris was the one. Um, 
but the one that had the biggest dramatic change was Cisco. That one kind of oh, yeah. that one just shook me a little bit because it was hard yeah. to see, um, you know, Cisco in a in a different light like that, like so serious and depressed, and you know, such animosity. That was, um, you know, to me that yeah, was I mean, we... the, the like the one that got it right. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've never we've never seen that out of them, and even when. Um... You know, when at their original flashpoint in the first, uh, or in the, excuse me, in the last episode, um, you know, even when he was the, you know, billionaire or whatever he was, like, With he still had this, yeah. yeah, I know, he still had this sense that, like, you felt like it was Cisco, but yeah, this, like, just, you know, just this almost hatred and animosity and everything that he, this deep resentment that he had for Barry, um, you know, it was, just he you know did a great job of conveying that but it was um yeah very surprising uh to see yeah i mean carlos valdez i give him as much credit as possible playing cisco because you've gotten the cisco that we've known from the original timeline then you got the billionaire cisco you know then you get this version of cisco so the guy's playing the same character but in three different like lights of him and stuff yep. and it just that shows you how great of a character an actor he is to be able to do that because he sold it out of all the ones that were um oh yeah on the episode last night with all the changes that went on he's the one that i actually believed was truly affected by the timeline yeah you know and you got to see a little bit of his vibe character later which right was cool. that was very cool and then um the the kind of little shocker at the end oh, yeah. was uh caitlin's you know, transformation into Killer Frost or the beginning yep. of the transformation for Killer Frost. So that was interesting um, that Cisco and, keeps his power, but Caitlin gains powers and stuff. So, yep. And Barry is unaware of it because remember he had said that um, Caitlin was the one that seemed to stay the same, closest to the same. And sure enough, that obviously wasn't it. Um, how did you feel about uh, Rival being back? Because I know you weren't a fan of him in the first episode still wasn't a fan like to yeah. me the, the the speechster thing has kind of gotten old um and i was more interested in uh alchemy than anything else yeah and i wish it had been just alchemy or alchemy bringing back an old like because when i wrote my review it looks like what Alchemy's gonna do is he's gonna bring back all the old metahumans um and so, you know, this would be a great way to bring back uh, Grodd and some of, you know, King Shark mm-hmm. and so forth. Um, and I, I just so many different characters you could have brought back. And this one really didn't work. And I'm, I'm like, I think you just, you're speed, uh, I am, I'm speedster out, at least villain wise. Um, yeah, I was going to say, don't get be careful then, because next episode. <laughs> yeah, Jesse, Jesse Quick. Quick's supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, comes back, which was hilarious because at Dragon Con. Everybody asked her if she was coming back as, you know, on the show. And she's like, uh, Violet Bean, she was like, um, I'm not contracted right now. We're like, well, yeah, you are. You're on IMDb as contracted. <laughs> this stuff. She's like, well, I, I just come in here and there. And sure enough, she, she has her yeah. full powers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so. Had to keep that one close to the chest. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. You know, I thought uh, overall the episode was interesting. I, I still... Um, 
I think the the speedster thing that never gets old though is w- with Reverse Flash. I mean, I know that was more oh, last yeah. episode, but I mean, that dynamic is just awesome. But but no, that's like that's like you, Batman right? Joker. Like you don't right, get exactly. you really don't right. get sick of that. You know, you can well, get sick of Batman Penguin, but when right. it's Batman Joker, you'll sit down and watch it no matter what. So yeah, Flash, Reverse Flash, you know, that works. Yeah. And I, I agree, and I, you know, even with Rival, is even that wasn't, I guess, you know, he was a been a two episode character so far, but you know, it's went back to the whole Zoom thing. Like, I want to be the fastest man alive. It's kind of like, oh, okay, you know, like yeah, the, like been there, done that. Exactly. I mean, go fight Insane Bolt then if you want to be the fastest man alive. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, I mean, I thought the episode was good. I think there. It's obviously building for other episodes, but yeah, I want to, um, the part that obviously ties into Arrow is, you know, he goes to, um, visit Felicity, Barry does, and is trying to get help with the timeline, and sure enough, we find out that Diggle, um, no longer has a daughter, but has a son. Right, and Which so... is interesting, because I never made this connection... I mean, I did I did today when I thought about it, but I didn't last night. But if you remember, and this could have been coincidence at the time, but in Legends of Tomorrow, where they go into the future, yeah, and and Connor Hawk is you're right green, is the new Green Arrow. That was Diggle's son. I didn't even think about that. That oh yeah. my gosh, that just blew my mind right there. So I think because when I first saw it, I thought, well, like okay, well Diggle had a son and a daughter right i never really like thought anything of it but then like i thought about that today i was like oh my gosh connor hawk was diggle's son and diggle now has a son so you know i don't know i don't know if that's a way that they'll go with it but that was really cool because it showed that hey there's no way they thought that the all the way back then though there's (laughs) no way but but what i'm wondering is if they if they are going to use it in that way now you know what i mean yeah i mean Um, that might be yeah that's true that's but man, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, but I think the the thing, like that was cool because it showed hey things changed on the Arrowverse. But what I didn't like was the fact that Arrow didn't follow up with anything from Flashpoint the next night. Well, here's my beef with all this. You're Barry Allen. You're the Flash. You're a superhero. You've changed the timeline. You've dealt with all this issues and stuff like that. And the person you go to to <laughs> talk us about all this stuff is Felicity Spoke. Right. Like, nothing against, you know, Felicity as the character. But why in the world do we keep getting Felicity kind of like shoved down our throats of like mm-hmm. Felicity is this awesome character and stuff like that. I mean, gr- I love her. Like, I loved her in last night's episode of The Flash. I thought she brought a nice little comedic tone to you know to it and everything like that but let's think about this and like kind of what i wrote in my episode oliver queen has had to live with all the decisions he's made and you know and back and forth and wishes he could go back in time and, and fix those mistakes he couldn't have gone to him and gotten advice from him he couldn't have gone to earth too and and spoken <laughs> to harrison wells who's been right. kind of his mentor you know yep. all these times you know it just so many different people and mm-hmm. we get felicity smoke felicity right and th- that just 
bothered me so much. That was just such a wasted opportunity because, like, the... The, the the scenes that we got from season one and season two where Barry and um, and Harrison Wells are kind of that mentor-mentee were yep. some of the best scenes of the show, and it kind of makes that show great. And then also, like, the, the times where Oliver was training Barry, you know, and shooting him in the yeah, back absolutely. with arrows and stuff like that. You know, the, that's what you need. And instead, we get this little five-minute comedic, you know, time where... Barry's trying to figure out everything that he's done, and then we get Diggle. the The biggest change on the Arrow universe was that Diggle had a son. I mean, I would have loved it if they'd done some sort of type of cliffhanger where if Barry looks at the computer, notices something, and then just like gives us look, and Felicity's like, "What is it?" and he says, "No, I can't tell you." And right, and it ends up being something later on down the road that we figure out and stuff. And, and that's what I think. I think that's what it will be. Is I think eventually we'll see that flashpoint has made more changes to the arrowverse but like i said i think i think they had a great opportunity in front of them and dropped the ball with it oh like, without it a was doubt very and like it's it i felt like they it was rushed it was kind of like hey here it is the arrowverse has been changed we'll talk about it later but they had such a good opportunity and really if if i am mainly a flash fan and not an arrow fan you know because obviously some arrow fans have dropped off and you want to get people to watch arrow then you know set something up to make them want to watch arrow the next night right exactly and you know like they, they that could have been the explanation of why oliver has gone back to being like the dark version of the green arrow and killing people and stuff like that was that barry altered the timeline and now even though this the same events happen with Damien, he's taken a more darker approach. It could have been, you know, a lot of different things, uh, you know. But I, I guess, uh, let's hope, I hope that there are more effects still lingering out there instead of just yeah. Diggle has a son I, instead I, of yeah, a daughter. Yeah, I think, I really think there will be. But like I said, it was just, because that's actually, I was excited to watch Arrow to try and see what other differences there were and there weren't any and that's no, there weren't any pretty at all. disappointing right yeah and... but i mean even though with that being disappointing i thought there were some great things about arrow as well from last night so yeah so what do you think about arrow um yeah i i was kind of torn with the episode i thought it was okay um i still like the darker tone mm-hmm. um and i think they're doing a better job with that um <clears throat> i guess you know, I, I'm just not sold on the new team. I, I wasn't sold on any team arrow. Okay. Right. I liked, I liked Roy Harper's arsenal. I liked that. Yep. Um, Diggle's role was obviously good. It was fine, but you know, I've talked about it before. It, it got to a point where, you know, this show is about green arrow. Right. And it got to a point where it was about team arrow and everybody in team arrow and everybody had the same, like, airtime and then we we just it this episode started off and it's all about a new team again and i just you know i I don't know i mean i feel like at least the people that they're trying to recruit have i I guess a little bit more believable talent to a degree than like laurel did or anything but i don't know i mean you know you have wild dog who's just like a, a rogue out there doing whatever um artemis who like yeah she was in 
you know, she was there last season for a little bit, but we don't have a lot of ground. And then, you know, Curtis, but I, I understand that, you know, Mr. Terrific can pick up on things extremely quickly, but it seemed to me like he's going to put them into place next episode. And I just, I, it, they're not, they're not ready. And I just, I don't want it to turn into this kind of like what it was before in this, Oh, here's this team arrow. And they can all of a sudden save the day. I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't really buy into that as much. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of with you. I think it's, uh, it's a little too soon for a new team. Um, I would have liked to have seen it like, you know, season five, just cause this is the, the, the coming, everything's coming back in circle and stuff like that. And I would have loved to have seen it just come all full circle. And it's Oliver by himself. Oliver started on the Island by himself and then ends on by himself. And then season six, you know, come back and recruit a new team or whatever. Um, right. And you know, I'm not sold on Curtis, being a, a superhero yeah me neither um like I, I understand he picks up on like even you know his comic book counterpart like picks up on things quickly but it just like i said i don't want it to be rushed the way that yeah. they rushed laurel as black canary but, and, and they even but they even said that in the show that like it took five years for oliver to become you know the green arrow and now it's so like think about it five years to become the green arrow and then he's been doing it now for for four years so nine plus years Right, he's been the Green Arrow, and he's and then he's yeah. at, his, at his peak right now. And, and what Laurel like was did some two training weeks. sessions with Wildcat, wasn't it Wildcat? Wasn't something? Name? Yeah, Wildcat and Tybo <laughs> lessons. Yeah, exactly. I I don't know. I just so that part still kind of bothers me. I tell you what, I wasn't sure I was gonna like the incorporation of Ragman just because right when I saw him, I'm like, okay, great, here we go, more kind of of that like. Magic, magic. Stuff. When yep. we said we're into that, but you know what? By the end of the show, I was fine with it because it was so subtle, right? And I His like powers that. are so subtle. It wasn't, it wasn't overbearing. You know, it was it, a simple so, storyline. Yep. It's and, very and easy. I, yep, and I think if they keep um, those, you know, that same sort of tone with him, I, I think that'll be fine. Um, I thought it was interesting one of the things that you know i thought it was cool they're kind of starting to throw those little twists back in there you know it's like you think ragman's going to be a villain going against the Amertech people but right. then you find out that the Amertech people are shady and dealing with tobias church so he's actually a good guy the thing that i'm wondering is um you know we obviously found out that he got his his father put those rags on him which you know they're centuries him. old Right. So my thing is, I know they like shook hands at the end and I don't think he's going to be like a part of the new team arrow, but I think, you know, he'll kind Pop of in here and there. Yeah. You'll, yep. you'll see him kind of like how you would see like Nisia, Al Ghul, like right. around yep. every now and then. But my thing is, I wonder if there's going to be a strained relationship between Oliver and Ragman eventually, because I know it's a technicality, but like actually Felicity and Arrow and them, destroyed ragman's right and you saw felicity's reaction when she heard when ragman was was um telling uh what's ameritex the the head boss you know why he was doing this and stuff and you saw felicity's face just like freeze up because she knows it's her fault she's the one who who made the decision to send a nuclear bomb over you know away from uh star city 
and kill and still kill millions of people. So yeah, I, I definitely agree that this is going to be something that's going to strain that relationship and it's going to feed into, you know, um, maybe a rivalry between the two. Yep. Yeah. Which I think would be pretty cool. And, um, you know, the, uh, I know some people are just completely over the flashbacks and I understand why. Um, but I, I, at least if this is going to be the last season of flashbacks, I am at least glad that they're serving a purpose. Right. No, you know I, what I mean, definitely, so I, like the flashbacks have even, definitely gone up this even year. Even from the start, you know, cause you see that he's going through the exact, he's putting his new team through the exact same training that he went through. But you also have a better understanding of Oliver's perspective of why he doesn't want the team. So, yeah, he's running them through that, and the the purpose is for them to ring the bell and work as a team. But why is he skeptical? Because when he did this for the Bratva, he rang the bell, and the Bratva shot the other people who helped him. Yep. So, like, you can completely understand why he is, you know, and he also said with the Bratva that um, no one knows anything about each other. So you also have an understanding of why Oliver is, you know, keeps everything to himself. Right. You know, doesn't open up about things. Like, I mean, it all, it, it all at least makes sense this year. It makes sense for season one. Because remember, Oliver season one was a loner. Didn't want anybody yep. with him. He, yep. it, it's, it's like, that's why I'm enjoying um, this year's flashbacks. Because now it's starting to make sense of why Oliver. Board. Yeah, because yeah. because the previous seasons of of all these flashbacks Oliver's working with people and he's you know helping people out and stuff like that and but when we see him in season one he is like cold and very distant and you know and doesn't doesn't want anybody's help didn't even want Diggle's help you know in the first season and stuff so it it's to me it's so it's it's great to see that the timeline is starting to shrink and you're starting to see closer and closer how Oliver became the man he is when he comes back to you know to star city um so yeah th- like i i'm i'm on board with it i really i've really enjoyed him the whole broadfoot scene and stuff like that and that whole test of you know ringing the bell um, yeah that was cool yeah i mean I it think, was uh, something different between that and then the um near the end which i thought was um really good and a bit of a, you know, that cliffhanger with, um, so Tobias Church is coming out of, I don't know, a restaurant, bar, whatever. Yeah. Um, and the thing that was cool, so the, the archer, the new dark archer or whatever, which I'll call him for now, um, but he easily takes down Church, which I thought was interesting because Oliver has had difficulty with Tobias Church in the past two episodes. Oh, yeah. Like, and hand-to-hand combat, and then, um, you know, the archer like, tells him that the only reason why Church is alive is because he didn't kill Arrow and to back off because Arrow says that he's, you know, says that his name is Prometheus, which um, I'm assuming they'll probably take the route because, in, you know, Prometheus is usually a, a Batman villain and you uh-huh. know, obviously Arrow kind of takes, um, uh, you know, influence from that, which I think is the way that they're going to go. But I am telling you, I really hope prometheus is tommy ellie or not tommy ellie sorry um tommy merlin oh yeah i, I mean the, the more and more i think about it the more you keep telling me about it i'm pretty sure like i'm i'm on 100 on board with you i'm pretty pretty confident it's got to be tommy merlin because there's okay, only think about it. one uh, person he, that would want to see him dead well and not only that so think about it. it it took oliver five years to train right right i mean it, and now he's had another four you know, this is season five, so it would have been five years since Tommy had 
died. Exactly. Maybe maybe Flashpoint brought him back. Maybe something, right? But so Prometheus's character in the comics, his his family was killed in front of him, and so he you know wanted revenge. So he went off on his own and you know trained and you know went to um, you know stayed with monks and everything like that. You know, technically, if you think back to season five, like, or I'm sorry, season one, um, Tommy could have been upset about numerous things. He and Oliver already had somewhat of a strained relationship, especially when Oliver was um, saying that, you know, Malcolm was um, the Dark Archer and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But then on top of that, you know, maybe Tommy, quote unquote, saw Malcolm get killed at the, you know, or stabbed or whatever it was at the end of season one. Um you know, because that's supposedly why. All right, so back we got had a little technical difficulty there, but um, yeah, I, I with Tommy Merlin, if you think about it, right? So season one, he's in love with Laurel. What happens to uh-huh. Laurel at the end of season four? She dies, and that could uh-huh. be the trigger point to bring him as Prometheus back. You know? Yeah. And wanting that's a good point too, to gonna, bring him back. Yeah. Cause he's going to blame Oliver for allowing Laurel to, to join his, his little rogues gallery and stuff like that and getting her killed and stuff. And that's going to drive, you know, the hate and vengeance towards the green arrow and want him wanting re- to kill green arrow. I really feel like too, is that what, what would make that so great is already the relationship between the two characters from season one. But I've really felt, obviously, you know, Oliver, anyone dying throughout the years has been difficult to Oliver and would be for anyone. But I feel like when Tommy died in season one, that was the most I feel like you've really seen a reaction out of Oliver because he was alone when he found Tommy. You know what I mean? And even like, I don't know, just something about the way that Stephen Amell portrayed that at that time. There may not be a connection between that, but it just, he seemed just so surprised and shocked and just completely torn apart, where it was almost like when Laurel died, he was obviously upset, but I don't know if he had, like, kind of prepared himself for that, because knowing that, like, hey, if she's out there, or if one of these people of Team Arrow is out there, like, that's a possibility that it could happen. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where like with Tommy, it was completely unexpected. Yeah. I mean, cause think about it. It was Tommy who saves Laurel. So like they're both racing to save Laurel and Tommy's the one who ends up dying. So it was, didn't even like, it didn't even cross his mind that Tommy would die in that scenario and stuff. So yeah, it's, that's probably out of all the deaths that have happened. Cause you got to think about it, you know, his his mother dying you know moira dying that was kind of you know, brought on by you know on him and and slade's controversy and stuff almost every every person dying on the show has had some sort of link to oliver where tommy's death was more about you know just the natural results of a of a crazy mm-hmm. lunatic and, and ideas and stuff so yeah i mean that one probably still has the most lingering effects, I would assume. Um, Laurel, because it's just fresh, but yeah, the the Tommy Merlin's kind of point to it. I, I mean, if if it is Tommy Merlin, it makes one hundred percent, you know, absolute sense to do it that way. Sure, yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, my the only uh, yeah, I, I really think it's going to be it. The only other thing I could 
I, I doubt it would be as the only thing that I think would compare to a reveal. So like if it's going to be revealed and it's someone, it would either need to be like, it would either need to be Tommy or like, I, I feel like the only other type of people that could compare is like Slade Wilson. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't, I don't think there's as much of a connection there with that or like somehow if, I mean, I don't think this would happen either, but like somehow if, with Flashpoint, his father was still alive or something like that. But I yeah. feel like those would be the only two types of characters that would have that impact of, oh my gosh, this is who it is and going after him. You know yeah, what I mean? No, definitely. That would make, <clears throat> if if they really wanted to boost up Flashpoint, that, that would be a smart move to do, is use that to incorporate either Tommy's return from the, the grave or Oliver's dad, which makes sense. Yeah. So, yep. But, um, I mean... For me, I enjoyed Arrow. I'm mean, I'm still a, a yeah. fan of it and stuff, and I still like the way it's going. I like the you know the villain of Tobias Church, you know, just a straight mean thug. You know, reminded yeah. me of, like a lot of you know Brick and you know oh, yeah. Kingpinish type you know deal where mm-hmm. this is just a, a regular mob guy that doesn't have s- superpowers, is not in in it to take over the world, but just basically have a ton of money and you know. And rule, you know, maybe Star City, and that's about it. You know what I like about the villains, too? So not only Tobias Church, but Prometheus as well, is you actually don't see them a lot throughout the episode. Right, yes. It creates that much more suspense, you know what I mean? Kind of like, um, I, I mean, in, in any of them, you know, season one, you didn't even realize it was Malcolm Merlin until, like, halfway. Mm-hmm. But there was this dark archer that was, like, lurking around. Right, right. You know, same, same with Slade Wilson. You didn't even see him, I think, until, you know, a handful of episodes in. And then three and four, obviously, like, you know, I felt like sometimes we would see either Roz or Damian Dark more than you would see um, Green Arrow. But that it makes, at least me as a viewer, like, wonder, what am I going to see him? Two, if I do see them, what is it going to be? Because usually when you don't see them a lot, their their scenes are really like there's a lot of impact that comes with it. Right. Yeah, I mean the if you think about it, the probably the weakest villain so far on Arrow is Damian Dark and and Roz, and they were so heavily used, and so yeah. And then you think about Slade, you know it, he didn't pop up till mid season. Yeah, um, Deathstroke. Yeah. We thought it was brother. Brother Blood is going to be the bad yep. guy for the main season, and then all of a sudden, boom! Here comes Slade Wilson as Deathstroke. Um, and then season one of the Flash, Reverse Flash, really didn't make an appearance till what mid season, and that was yep. Um, so that I mean, to me, is is a good formula to do. You know, if you're going to have a villain, and then also have... if you think about right, because then also if you think about season two with Flash, not that I didn't like it, I really did, but. Villain wise, I mean, you saw Zoom a good amount of time. They had a lot of screen time, you know. Right. And I think that they can get to a point where they, they do have it, like they've done with Slade and Malcolm, and um, you know, Reverse Flash. But it's that like suspenseful build up to a point where then it's like, okay, now you see him, but there's still this intrigue that build up with it. Right. So, but I mean, I, I think we could talk about it all day all night long and stuff like that so i mean you gotta kind of move on at some point in time so (laughs) um other shows uh legend tomorrow is actually premiering while we are doing this uh podcast right now so we'll actually have the premiere of legend tomorrow for next week's episode we'll talk about that um not a whole lot of major news in the wwe there's 
um, just the announcement that Goldberg will be on Raw on oh, Monday. Yeah. So we'll definitely cover that um, and let you guys know our thoughts about that. We're kind of just going to wrap things up since all the major network shows have debuted and um, we're basically starting all the seasons off, um, kind of giving our top five um you know shows that we are interested in watching it or like really gotten our attention um so i'll I'll start off with me uh number five is of course arrow um it you know two years ago three years ago four years ago it would have been number it's my number one show it's taken a step back but it's still you know one of my favorite shows to watch you know it's the, the 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 original the one that started it all so and i'm a big fan of Stephen amell so i'm definitely um you know, interested in it. The one that kind of has taken a step down for me and continues is uh, Flash at number four. Um, hopefully, the season kind of picks up. I was, you know, a little disappointed with Flashpoint and how it was handled um, with the events that took place. You know, I thought the Paradox timeline concept was cool, um, but I thought there should have been at least a little bit more um, effects that went on, you know, to in, in consequences for Barry altering the timeline. Number three, I started watching this last year, and I've start, and it's kind of climbed up my list little by little. But it's uh, the Goldbergs. Uh, Mark, have you watched the show at all? <laughs> yeah, I've seen it before. Huh? Yeah, uh, dude, I love it. It's you know, it's a nostalgic '80s show. It takes you back. Um, Adam F. Goldberg basically creates TV shows off of his own personal life as a kid and experiences, and it's it's great. Um, you know, the show's really just grown as a, as you know, as its own entity, and um, the cast is really good. They really work well together, and they found a formula that works. It's just basically go with something that was popular in the '80s and just make a show all about it. Um, and so, it, it, like, I, I, I DVR it and I watch it, you know, the next morning, and you know, absolutely in love with it. Uh, the sh- at number two for me, which if you had asked me last year, the beginning of the year. Um, Probably wouldn't even have been in my top five, but it's Gotham. I've really enjoyed um, the, these first couple episodes, and I really think that the tone and the difference, how they've made it more about like a psychological thriller and focused on the villains has really done well. I know there's a lot of people that um, have jumped off the bandwagon and probably won't get back on the wagon um, for Gotham, but for me to stick with it and to see where it's gone, I really you know, have enjoyed it. Um, and then my number one show right now, um, three episodes in, is Designated Survivor with Kiefer Sutherland. Um, I was a big fan of uh, 24 and Jack Bauer when Kiefer Sutherland was playing that show. But to see him as like this new concept of him being the president of the United States uh, after the United States has been attacked and the whole ordeal of trying to find out who was responsible for the attack and all the other issues that have gone on, it's been... You know, it's a great cast, great scripts, just great direction they're going in. So probably going to be the number one show, you know, this year. Probably win a couple um, Golden Globes, uh, I would assume, um, out of this. Uh, Mark, what's your top five? Um, you know, with number five, I think I'm going to have to start off with Flash. Um, it's not that I don't enjoy um the program, so I do. It's still, you know, it's something that I definitely look forward to. I just... I'm not sure what they're going to do with this season yet. Um, just because, like I said, I know Flashpoint has like changed things, but um, 
I think the change is interesting, but I'm also, like I said, fairly. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know how the rest of the season will go, and I just. I'm hoping it's not speedster heavy, heavy like we've talked about. Um, I think if there's a focus on Reverse Flash or Doctor Alchemy or you know Grodd or any any of those other individuals, I think it may kind of bump its way back up the list. Um, you know, I definitely think it still has potential, but I'm just hoping it's not speedster heavy just for the sake of having speedsters. Um, number four, I would have to go with um, Arrow. Uh, Arrow, like I said, I think it has a lot of potential. I've always been an Arrow fan, and I've tried to give it the benefit of the doubt, even in the, uh, you know, the season three and season four years. But um, I really think it has potential this season. Um, I'm hoping they follow through with it. I'm hoping they've learned from those mistakes. As of now, they they've seemed to. You know, I think a lot of the criticism that it took, I think they understood it and realized it, and are trying to move forward with it. Um, which I, you know, I I hope that it continues the way it is. Um, number three would be Gotham. Uh, the interesting part that you said with Gotham is I feel like each year it's kind of tried to figure out what exactly it wants to be. Um, and I think it's getting to a good spot, but I, I, I hope it just stays consistent. What has driven it for me is, um, you know, because like I said, it's kind of gone from, like you said earlier, from the detective series to the origin of villains to a psychological aspect, which is all fine. Um, but, you know, I hope they just kind of find something that works. What has carried it for me, honestly, are the um, the characters and the actors and actresses. I just think Gotham has a, you know, obviously a good majority, whether it's you know, Nigma or Cobblepot or Barbecue. Just, I think they have some just talented individuals working for them, which um, makes it interesting to watch. Um, number two for me is kind of one of those ones where you know I can kick back and just watch this uh, Big Bang Theory. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I was watching a rerun last night, and I don't know how many times I've seen it, but it is. I was just laughing hysterically because Sheldon was playing basketball with Kripke and it was just, I don't know. It just, seriously, I haven't laughed like that in a while. So that's always just a good one for me because I know it's very like lighthearted and I just find it funny. And even though it's been on for so many seasons, um, it's still enjoyable to me. Um, so number one is actually <laughs> it's prison break. <laughs> Shocking. I know. Mm -hmm. Um, so my wife and I, and, um, you know, she really got me into prison break years ago and we started watching it again, um, anticipating the 10 episode season five that's coming in January. So we've been trying to get a couple in either, you know, every other night or something like that, but it's just, I'm hoping that the 10 episode series is much like the rest of it because I mean that that's just, I don't know. I think it's one of the best done shows when it comes to um constant turns and heels and twists and just i i it was one of the few shows where i felt like every episode i didn't see something coming um and so i hope that keeps up with uh the season five that's going to be i think they said this january so those would be my top five at least in this point in time you know ask me again in 
and two months, and that's probably going to change. <laughs> Dude, that's interesting. You put uh, Prison Break number one. That's I wouldn't have definitely thought of that. I mean, I I love like, like I said, I love um. The funniest thing is when it was actually first on, I never watched it, and my wife was all about it. And I actually started watching it randomly in season four. I know, good timing, right? Yeah, exactly. And I went back. I, yeah, I know. And I went back and watched it. And I, I don't know something about this series, like the actors and actresses, but just like I said, the writing, like it, it is. I am not exaggerating when I feel like every episode. You know, because you think of. Um, you know, even this past week, there have been some episodes on that are – they're good, but they're kind of like bridge episodes. You know what I mean? Right. Um, kind of leading to the next one. But I always felt with Prison Break that it's just like each episode, there's something where I'm like, no way. I did not see that coming. Um, and, you know, I think that's what keeps me as, as a viewer um, excited to watch something. Yeah, that's cool. So that's our show for this week. Um we're going to basically come back next week and catch up with all the shows we've been watching, talk about Legends, talk about WWE, and some other uh, big news events that have debuted this week that we just didn't have time to cover. Um, make sure you check out our other great things that we have to offer on lrmonline.com, uh, Comic Uno's Weekly Roundup. Um, we've got Edward Douglas's Weekend Warrior uh, and also the Los Fanboys podcast. Thanks for listening, guys, and let us know in the comments section what else you guys want us to talk about. We have an unbelievable amount of time that we can talk about whatever you want to talk about, except for, I don't know, you name it, we'll, we'll talk about it. See you guys <laughs> later. See ya. <laughs>